Welcome to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Achieving bigger and better results with money, family, and business isn't about creating a bigger to-do list for yourself. It's about who can help you create results without you having to do all the work. Listen as we provide uncommon perspectives, powerful resources, and experienced people that can help you maximize outcomes in your life. Let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to Maximizing Outcomes with Jim McGovern. Jim, how are you? Eric, doing great. we got a great I'm, show lined up, everybody, here today. I, I am so excited. You have a guest on the show. You've got Mike Magulik. Why'd you bring Mike on the show today? So Mike and I were having a conversation, I guess it was, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he's a, a commercial banker, one of the larger banks here in Pittsburgh. And he was just sharing with me his personal story. And I just, I found it fascinating. Mike is a, is a passionate guy. He's, he's a high impact guy. And uh, he is not only a, a commercial banker with 27 years of experience, but he's the co-founder and the president of the board for the Miracle League of Moon Township. So hmm. uh, I just, I said to him, hey, it'd be great to have you on the show and, and tell your story and talk about the Miracle League. And, and he agreed. So we're excited to have him here. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for bringing him on the show. I'm, I'm going to sit back with the audience and learn all about Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to share our family story. So Mike, you know, you were sharing with me that you, uh, you, you began your career in banking around 27 years ago. And, uh, and I, th I think you're also saying that your, your wife is an attorney. Yeah, that's correct. All right. So, I mean, you guys have, first off, smart people, a lot of great experience. But then when you started sharing with me a little bit about your family, I, I thought it was interesting just to kind of start there and just tell us a little bit about your, your personal journey, your professional journey, and, and, and tell us a little bit about Luke. Yeah. So Luke is one of three of our sons. So Luke is seven years old, seven and a half years old now. And he has something that's called 5P minus, which about there's 30 births a year in the United States and about 30% of those unfortunately passed within the first three months. So Luke got a virus when he was a couple of weeks old, ends up in the NICU. We think, hey, just had a hard time clearing the virus. The doctor said, hey, this isn't common, but it's not uncommon, not a big deal. We'll probably miss a few milestones because he was on oxygen and IV for so long, but you know, everything will be fine. So as a family, we're in the NICU and children's taking great care of our son, save his life. And, you know, we're thinking, okay, we're just going to get back to life. And, you know, about 14 months later, they finally diagnosed through genetic testing Luke with 5P minus. So that's where our journey started. And, you know, as we were talking before, Jim, you know, my wife and I both have uh, some education. I appreciate you saying that we're smart. There's probably a lot of debate on people <laughs> that know us about that. But at any rate, you know, she's an attorney. I'm a banker, we have a lot of a good network and access to individuals with great expertise, but it was impossible to try to find how to help out um, Luke. So we decided we got to do something for the community. So this was, um, you know, obviously, you know, seven years ago, your, your, your world was kind of turned upside down. And, you know, when I guess when you, know, you started to think about the um, you know, just Luke's well-being and, and his care moving forward. I mean, what were some of the things that you guys had to do immediately? Well, you know, well, the first thing is what doctors do we need to see because his condition is so rare. There's not a lot of research and there's obviously no specialists in that. So the first thing was evaluating what all the specialists were saying and saying, hey, does this 
apply to Luke. So Luke didn't have an autism diagnosis until about two years ago. So a lot of the treatments were related to someone on the autism spectrum. So for Christina and I, it was, does this make sense? It kind of makes sense, but you know, we really don't know a lot. So whatever the doctor says kind of makes sense, right? They're the experts and they're giving you all this data and you're thinking, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, it took us a little while to be able to question the doctors, which, you know, was a very important step for our family and for Luke's development. Are all the doctors here locally in the Pittsburgh area, or do you find yourself having to have a search for expertise throughout the country? Now, all the doctors that we saw were part of the Children's Network, Children's Hospital Network um, here in Pittsburgh, but there is a 5P National Society out there. So as soon as Luke was diagnosed with that, we joined the society and actually about a month into us joining there was a big or a national conference here in Pittsburgh. So Christina and I volunteered to be part of the host committee on that. So we learned a lot of information from those families. So tell us about some of the, some of the challenges and just caring for Luke and just you know, how you manage your, your lives on a, on a daily basis. Cause I'm sure it's, it's quite involved. It's not just, you know, just running to doctor's appointments and those kinds of things. So you mind sharing some insights with us on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're no different than any other family with three kids. We're managing all three of them every single day. You know, the difference for Luke is, you know, maybe for Jack, who's our oldest, who's nine, you know, we're taking him to a baseball lesson or we're taking him to baseball practice or to a baseball game. You know, with Luke, you know, we have an aide that comes to our house every day for three to four hours. So Luke's training is typically at our house, you know, maybe we go to a physical therapy appointment or a speech appointment. So, you know, and then we have a three-year-old Max who is a three-year-old. So anyone listening here that has a three-year-old, they get that. But, you know, I don't know. I don't really look at Luke's care as anything other than you have a child, he has certain interests or certain needs that need to be addressed. And you do that just like you would do it for anyone else. People always ask, you know, how do you get them all of the appointments? And I look at them and just say, hey, you take your son to three baseball practices or hockey practices, or you take him to four piano lessons a week. And, you know, no one thinks it's that big of a deal. All right. You just it, figure it out, right? Yeah, it's the same thing, right? You know, yeah. you know, Luke needs different care than Jack and Max do. And, you, you know, we just do it. Um, you know, I think, you know, for us, and for Luke's development, you know, when he was originally diagnosed, they said they gave him a 50% chance of walking and and like below 70 and told us the communication would be difficult. If, if we went upstairs today, you'd see him running around and, you know, screaming, you know, I mean, he still has, you know, limitations on what he can do, but, you know, he didn't, you know, he can get in and out of the car himself and open up doors. Um, you know, he can open up the back door and go run and jump on the trampoline or run across the street like any other child. So, you know, for us, it wasn't about what Luke couldn't do. It's about what he can do and making sure we optimize that. Obviously, there's things that he's never going to be able to do that others are, but that's okay. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that other children can't do that other kids can do. So we just look at it that way. And we make sure that we include him in everything. So that, um, you know, two things, one, that he's living his life to the max and two, that our friends and Jack's friends and Mac friend, Max's friends, understand Luke, understand 
you know, what he needs, how he can play. And also more importantly, if those children run into someone else with a disability, they're not looking, they have an idea of how to be able to interact with that child and make him part of the play group. Excellent. So what are some things you've had to do just to plan for Luke's future? Yeah, the, the biggest part of it was, you know, trying to figure out financially and from a will standpoint, what we need to do to take care of Luke. You know, I mean, I knew there were some laws, but, you know, I'm a commercial banker and been for 20 plus years and don't really see that much of what's needed. And, you know, my wife does a lot of uh, our defense practice for nursing homes. So she doesn't, she didn't do a lot of estate work other than a couple classes in law school. So the biggest, I guess, planning part for Luke uh, has, you know, figuring out what doctors he needs to do and what therapist is, do we have it set up properly financially for him? Because I think, and at least when we first started it, if he had $2,500 or more in his name, he'd be disqualified for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, if that would occur, that would have a severe negative impact. So, you know, it was just making sure our trusts were set up properly and our roles set up properly and that we have a caretaker understands, you know, I mean, we both have siblings. So, you know, everyone says, yeah, I will take care, you know, of your kids if something would happen to you. But with Luke, you know, it's a little bit different. So, you know, uh, one of the suggestions, uh, Jim, that you had given us, you know, a while ago was to kind of write a list of what Luke would need for the caretaker, right? Our brothers or sisters would help, but they see him a significant portion less. So kind of what he would need. So those types of things, but most importantly, it's, you know, make sure that what you think is right and what you think you're doing to help your child, you're probably hurting them. And that's, yeah, what we, it, that's what we were doing at the beginning. We were hurting yeah, it, them if something happened. It, it's crazy just because it, it's such a technical area of planning that we were saying that, you know, people's hearts are almost always in the right place. And things that are logical to us, it's, oh, that's common sense. We should just do it this way. You know, from a legal standpoint, sometimes it has the exact opposite effect of what you're trying to do. And um, yeah, I, I thought that's what, that was valuable for people to hear that, you know, here we've got a, a, a banker and a lawyer and you know, you guys with, with lots of real world experience in, in finance and law, except this is an area that's just so technical. It's like, you don't know what you don't know sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, once you start learning it, you know, it, it's, it's a scary situation thinking that what, you know, you're thinking, all right, we're going to save money so that when something happens to us or if something happens to us, Luke is taken care of. And meanwhile, we're saving money thinking we're doing the right thing before he was diagnosed. And we're like, well, we just did the wrong thing because all the care that he would need would be just would potentially be disqualified. You know, I'm sure there's some type of appeal process, but you know, we just, you know, review it every 18 to 24 months just to make sure things are still up to date. And, you know, it's just a, it's just something that's prudent to do and something that you need to do. And, everybody loves their kids and everyone wants the best for their kids and everyone wants even better if you're not here. And there's just wet different ways to do it for each type of kid. Right. So yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those things where it's, it's an ongoing project. that's never, it's never really finished. I think that's what Walt Disney said about Disney world. It's never actually finished. It's just, we just continue to improve on what's there. And that's, it's really the same way we have to plan 
for our kids. We have to make sure that we're doing the best we can at any given moment in time and, you know, keep our eye on the ball. And, and if things shift, we have to be able to be, be nimble here. Yeah. And so, I think too, you know, additionally, you know, we wanted to make sure that Jack, Jack and Max didn't have an extra burden if something would happen to us, right? It's Luke's his brother and they're always going to need help. And, you know, they're awesome with them being nine and three, but, you know, I never, Christine and I never want something for Luke not to occur as Jack and Max get older and have families. I know it's hard to think about that when they're three and nine, but, you know, eventually they will. And we don't want Luke to miss out on something because, you know, Jack or Max's families, you know, maybe they don't have the financial needs. Maybe, maybe they have different financial needs or whatever their situation is. We just want to make sure that if they want to take them on vacation, we have a mechanism set up that they can do that. And it's not a financial burden for, you know, any of his caretakers to do that. Right. So you're, you're really, you're providing balance for all of them is really what you're doing. You're, you're giving the, you know, them the ability to, to care for their brother the best they possibly can, but, but, you know, be able to balance their lives and whatever's going on, you know, personally and professionally, and also making sure Luke has what, what he needs to live the best life possible. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I never really thought about it as, you know, balancing it, but that's exactly what we're doing. So you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on and somewhere in the middle of, uh, of, of everything that's going on in life, you, you find a way to start the miracle league of moon township. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that, that aren't familiar with the miracle league. So can you give us a little bit of background on what the miracle league is and, and how it started? Yeah. The miracle league is a national organization out of Georgia. So the goal of the Miracle League is to give a field and a team for every athlete to be able to participate regardless of their ability. So they each, you know, we're kind of like, think of us as a franchise. Everyone um, is a franchise of the Miracle League. So we use their name. Uh, you know, they give us some uh, plans and some support on how to get started. But really what it comes down to is we developed a field in Moon Township. There's one in Cranberry, one out in Murraysville, and probably the the best known one is an upper St. Clair, uh, the Sean Casey's foundation started, but at any rate, the goal is to provide an athletic field for athletes to participate. So, you know, why did we start that? You know, I'm a sports guy. I played hockey in college, coached travel hockey for 20 years. My family's into sports, Christina's family's into sports. And when you get a diagnosis that your son may never walk and might not be able to talk. There's a lot of things that you think about. And at the beginning, everybody thinks about what they're going to miss. Am I never going to be able to go to a game with Luke? Am I never going to be able to watch Luke play? After a little bit of time, you know, you stop thinking about what you're going to miss and thinking about how inspirational he is and what he can do and how he's inspiring others. But that's where we were thinking. And, you know, we wanted to do something for the community. You know, my wife wanted to write a blog and I'm thinking like, you know, she's an attorney. She loves to write. I'm like, well, that's a good idea. But like, who's going to like, how are we going to get this blog out there? Who's going to read it? How are we going to keep content? Didn't really seem like a good use of time. We had a friend that wanted to do a documentary on our family. But given Luke's diagnosis and the lack of research on that, we didn't want to do that. I told Christina, I'm like, I can't watch Luke die on camera if that's what happens. Mm. We don't know if he's going to do that or not, but if that happened, like I, I, I couldn't do it. You just, right. 
I don't know anybody that could do that real yeah. on it. Now, you know, given Luke's development and how inspirational he is, I wish we did the documentary, but you know, you don't know that at the time. Right. Looking uh, back, <laughs> it's easy looking backwards, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone can say if they look back and had what the future hold, it would make it decisions a lot easier. That's right. On that side, but not real insight there. So we decided the township, Moon Township, was going to start renovating their parks. There was no Miracle League out in the West. We talked to the Pirates. They were supportive. And I always say we went from writing a blog to raising about $3 million to build a field for athletes with special needs, a restroom that is not ADA approved, but ADA reality, right? We had a lot of individuals with wheelchairs that said, oh, don't design it this way, even though it's ADA approved because it doesn't work. One example I always say is where uh, you're in the restroom where typically you see that big silver thing on the wall where you kind of reach up and get the paper towels, dry your hands and you drop them right in. Well, they said, well, if you use, if we, if you use that, my wheelchair stops and I can't reach the paper towels. I'm like, well, wow. that, make, that makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, common sense. You, you know, you know, it's common sense, but if you don't, if you're not in a wheelchair, you don't know that. That's right. Right. I mean, I mean, how many times have you used one of those gym and have you ever thought you, you probably never thought that, hey, someone, if you can reach the paper towels, you probably, you know, if you're not tall enough, you're probably thinking that's the only way you can't use it. Right. You know, so we have that and then we're building an adaptable playground. And so what we did was we wanted to make it totally accessible that almost anyone regardless of their condition would be able to use our facility so you know we have wave technology to open up the doors you know we look like geniuses now after covid <laughs> hit yeah that's right you guys are ahead of your time yeah ahead of our times the reason we did that uh when our son was younger he can do it now luke would see the blue handicap button you know at a restroom and he didn't have the strength to push the button he knew if you touched that button the door would open but he couldn't do it so we're like, we need to find a way to give independence to an individual. So that was one of the ways that we did it. We also have two full-size changing tables in the restrooms that are electric, uh, adult size. So if a caretaker has someone in a wheelchair, you know, it's sometimes difficult to transition that individual from the wheelchair, you know, either to be changed or to get to the restroom. So we have that. It goes from like 18 inches up to three feet, helps the, the caretakers. We have showers and a family restroom. So if someone has an accident, you know, they can be cleaned and be able to get back to participate. So those are the types of things that we thought about and talked about. And really all of these ideas either came from, you know, looking at other restrooms, you know, and maybe they had this, they had that. And we're like, I oh, let's put it all together. But more importantly, talking to the families that we saw at therapy saying, Hey, we see you every week at therapy, but I've never seen you at the park or I've never seen you here or never seen you there. And really it came down to was the lack of the ability to be able to change their loved one with dignity. So hmm. that's kind of the idea, you know, the miracle league itself is a field, but you know, a field's not enough. Right. Well, what I love about what, what you're doing and just your outlook on everything in, in, in general is that you're you're focusing on people's abilities, not their disabilities. And I love the fact that you're you're trying to design all this in a way that you're you're giving people more uh, ability to do things independently. But you know, if they need support, there's 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 practical ways to get that support to have the best experience possible. 
Yeah, I mean, I really feel that the, Luke's development is because he's been able to gain some type of independence. Right? It's not the same as every seven-year-old, and we get that and understand that. But, you know, he can go to the Miracle League field, and if you ask him what Saturday is, he'll tell you he's going to hit homers, and it's his game, not Jack's game. That's great. You know, That's really and, great. And that's, you know, it all comes down to attitude and outlook, regardless of your cognitive abilities. And, you know, it's, we give something, Miracle League is something that the families look forward to and the grandparents do and the aunts and uncles and all that. I, we announced all the games. Part of the reason we do it is because for a long time, the only time Luke heard his name called was going to into a doctor's office. Wow. You know, and, and, you know, it's, you know, it's also like little league and, you know, little league baseball everywhere. People are announcing his batting. So it's that, but it's also, you know, let's announce somebody's name who never hears a cheer when their name's announced. So Mike, you mentioned you, you guys, you had this idea and you went from this concept of, Hey, let, let's start a miracle league to raising $3 million. How long that? Well, that's a tricky question because we were supposed to, um, open in 2020 so you can imagine we did not open in 2020 so we probably did it in about you know you know about two years that's a lot that's a lot of money in a little bit of time so you guys did, how dependent is the league on ongoing donations well i mean we're a nonprofit, so i never want to say we're not that dependent on ongoing contributions because you're never done raising money. But the great thing about our model and our partnership with the township is after we built the field, we've turned it back to the township. So the township takes care of maintenance, takes care of uh, cleaning the restrooms, um, scheduling, all of that. We just have to run the league. So, you know, any type of major capital X project we would share with the township, but you know, so really, we don't have much cost now as we go forward. Uh, you know, we could buy T-shirts for the athletes, pay for some insurance, pay for some Internet. And, you know, really, that's the um, main expense. So what we did differently than others was most organizations in the Miracle League, they'll build a field, right? They'll raise the money, build the field, get it going. And then like, oh, well, we're really nice that you have restrooms. So then they'll add restrooms to it. And then, oh, we would like a playground. And so they're out of playground to it. What our board decided to do was let's go out and raise all the money up front, have everything planned, where to put it, how to put it, and do it all at one time so that it would be a, a little greater experience, we felt, uh, for the athletes and the families. And, you know, we didn't think it would really delay the, the launch of the Miracle League field. So we decided to try to do that. That's a good way to do it. That way it's not like just being built right in front of your eyes. I mean, it's, it's the full experience from day one, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. Is and I any... think, whoops, I'm, yeah, I oh, mean, but, I think too, yeah. the, the better, the, the thing too, that really makes ours a little bit different than the other fields and all the other fields are great and they do a great job by raising all the money up front. We've had the design. So, you know, where you drop the athletes off zero grade, easy to get onto the field. And then the restrooms are very close to where the dugouts are. And then the playground will be right behind the dugout so that, you know, it's a big area, but it's a small area at the same, at the same time. So it's easy for families also to be able to watch, be able to watch everybody. 
So how's the league organized? I mean, if a, if a parent's listening and they, they want to get their child involved, how do they get them involved? You know, how often are the games? Are they all formalized games? Well, tell us a little bit about the league setup. Yep. So if anyone would, miraclesinmoon.org, M-I-R-A-C-L-E-S-I-N-M-O-O-N.org is our website. Uh, so people can go find more information for that. So really what we do on the baseball side is we do two seasons. We do one that's ending uh, next week. So it's like an eight week season. And then we do a shorter season in the spring, about six games. So games are Saturdays for the most part and in the morning. So I always say it's kind of like T-ball, right? You know, the games where, you know, the athletes participate, you hit off a tee if you need to, you pitch if you need to, if you're tired and hot and want to sit in the dugout for an inning, you do that. If you want to run from first to third and skip second, you do that. If you want to run the bases like our son, Luke, he'll hit the ball about three feet, put his arms up, and then sprint around the bases like uh, Mazeroski did when <laughs> he hit the game winner against the Yankees. And so it's great. It's fun. I think the one thing, and we've talked a lot about here about the restrooms in the field, we feel like, I feel like some families don't participate because they think that their child might not be able to participate. And I'm telling you, any child can participate. Any child would want to participate. And you come to one game, you're going to sign back up for sure. And then we partnered uh, with the soccer, the Moon Soccer Organization, and we have Miracle Soccer now. So they practice twice a week and will start playing some games here in, in a week or two. That's great. So is the is the field open, you know, throughout the week? So if, if someone wants to go use it and it's not a Saturday, there's not a game being played, is it just kind of free for uh, free for use throughout the week? Yeah, it's free for use, but you would have to bring your own equipment. You know, we have special equipment, balls and, and all that, but, you know, we don't leave those out on the field. So if, you know, someone wanted to check it out, you know, whether you had a disability or didn't have a disability, you know, you can go and play. You know, the main rule is no spikes. The spikes would, the surface is a special surface and spikes or high heels or anything like that would rip up the surface. So that's really the only rule. Got it. And, you know, the, the, the community that you're building around this, it's not just limited to Moon Township. I mean, what you were telling me, I mean, you have athletes from you know, the region coming to play. Is that, is that true? Yeah. You know, it's, we're called the Miracle League of Moon Township because that's where it is, but it's not limited to Moon. You know, we have a lot of athletes from Swickley, Robinson, Beaver, Steubenville, Weirton, you know, obviously Moon, Avonworth. So, you know, so it's a good mix. You know, we're, we're looking forward to growing, especially the, the, uh, the youth portion of it. And, you know, hopefully next year, COVID protocols will allow us to get into schools and be able to talk to the uh, life skills teachers to, you know, help them help promote promote it for us but you know with now four miracle leagues in the pittsburgh which is the pirates support more miracle league fields than any other organization in major league baseball they have over nine between the pittsburgh area you know altoona some other areas and a few in florida so uh it it makes it easy you know part of the other reason we wanted to do this in in the west was if you live in our area, Cranberry or Upper St. Clair is the closest place to play. Um, so, you know, 30 to 45 minutes given traffic. And, you know, our board and my wife and I and family just thought it's like, could you imagine if you had to go to 45 minutes to play Little League 
Yeah, it's a like, it's no a one's long drive. Do, yeah, it's, well, but and, and no one's doing that. Every community right. has a little league, so that's right. or baseball, you know, whatever. You know, you can pick your sport. I'm talking about baseball now because you know that's the focus of the Miracle League. But it could be any sport. We're going to add other sports to it as we as we move on. That's great. And if people want to volunteer, uh, what what types of volunteer positions are are you guys always looking for? Yeah, you know, right now we we look for buddies. Those would be individuals that would help the athletes participate. You know, the, their their family members are always out there, but we're always looking for it. You know, this year we've had uh, Moon football, the cheerleaders, um, also Moon softball come out as teams to participate and help the athletes. You know, which the kids love that to see you know an athlete in their uniforms kind of match what they have and then you know announcers eventually will be needing commissioners for the different sports as we move on to that but I always tell people think of us as a any type of youth sports organization right we need coaches we need volunteers to help the athletes and then you know we need announcers and just kind of general game day game day help and do you also do some other things with, uh, you know, with, with parents and caregivers throughout the year just to continue to communicate and educate people? We don't, but we're getting that started. Uh, so when we started, the board made it clear that playing the game as important as it is, it wasn't enough. So for us to have a true impact, we needed to help family. So we are going to start next year or maybe late this year, some things such as, you know, my parents are in their seventies and, you know, they've known Luke obviously his entire life. And I still think psychologically, they still don't understand Luke, hmm. you know, and kind of what he is, you know I mean? They, they know it and they know all the statistics and all of that, but you know, it's still, I think hard mentally for them. So, you know, one example is like, okay, you know, can we bring a psychologist in to help with the family members, just not the individuals that are living with, 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 you know, just not me and Christina and Max and Jack, but you know, it's our parents and our friends and, and different things like that. You know, that's one example. Another example would be, you know, once the playground's up later this year, get a physical therapist into how do you incorporate his IEP into this playground? You know, obviously we would want to do a seminar on financial planning slash estate planning on things like that, because as I mentioned before, it's great to have the field and to have the athletes participate. But Christine and I have learned more from the families that are participating than we will ever learn in anything else. Right. You know, it's, it's as simple as, did you know, I don't know if, if people have heard of variety bikes, but that's an organization that helps provide bikes for individuals with disabilities. So, and it's, and it's income based. So, you know, some, one family that didn't meet the income qualifications found out that you could go through the organization and buy the bike at their cost, as opposed to trying to buy it you know, from a, re from a retail situation. So, wow. you know, not taking the bike away from anyone that would need it from a financial standpoint, but still saving some money, but you know, everyone else is like, well, we didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't know how you, you the only way you find that out. It's like everything else in life is you find it out with experience. That's right. Someone else experience, figuring it out. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the old social media, right now everything's posted and 
on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, but you know, 50 years ago, people talked. That's right. They talked to their neighbors. Who'd have thought? That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a strange concept. Now, you know, you don't have to text everyone. You can actually uh, have a quick conversation, but it's things like that. Also, we want to people to understand the rights within the IEP and, you know, what their child's eligible to do or receive from the school, things like that. So, you know, it's, it, it's about community and people would talk about these types of experiences. You know, if you go and ask, you know, who, who a piano lesson or what teacher your child does, because they think they're a good piano pay, player, everyone will tell you that. That's right. Right. I was you happy know, to tell you, give you a good, good referral, get a good referral. And that's, you know, what we're trying to do. It's just different because everything is not out there. Social media is definitely helping that, but the bottom line is social media only helps on those situations typically where it's easy. Like you have autism, this is what's available and you go, but every individual with a disability is different. Um, you know, they all have some similar traits, but everything's different. So you need to know how to be able to navigate the system and make sure that the resources that are made available, you make that available to your child. And once you find that out, you let someone else know because maybe they know about that, but there's five other things that they don't know about. That's right. That's right. Well, Mike, I mean, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We know you're a, you're a busy guy and uh, we, we just love the impact that you're making on the community. We, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to come on the show. If somebody's interested in, in connecting with the Miracle League and, and maybe have, they have questions or they want to volunteer or donate, what, what's the best way to get a hold of you? What's the best way to, uh, to tap into the, uh, the network here? Yeah, our email is miraclesandmoon at gmail. And our website is miraclesandmoon.org. So those are the two uh, two best ways. There's, you know, our website's got a lot of videos and pictures and a little bit about the organization. But, you know, it's great to talk about it. It's great to have people involved, but you really need to get out to see it. And if you come out one day to see the smiles on the, our athletes participating, but not only the smiles on our family, on the athletes, but we said before, you know, as, as a family, you know, in sports, my, my parents probably never thought they'd, or Christina's parents never probably thought they'd see Luke play a baseball game. They're doing that. So not only do we provide a recreational slash physical help for the athletes, it's also great emotional support for all the fans that are there. So even if you don't volunteer, come watch a game. That's right. Come on out cheer the athletes on and uh, I'm, I'm sure they, they definitely appreciate the, uh, the applause for sure. And if you do come, you'll most likely get a fist pump or a hug from one of our athletes, because if they see someone cheering that they don't know, there's a high probability that one of the 20 will come over and ask that individual a couple questions and ask for a fist bump or a hug. So That's if awesome. you don't like that, don't come. That's right. That's right. Well, Mike, thanks again. Uh, this this was awesome. I, I really enjoyed just the uh, the interview and the conversation here today. And uh, I'm excited to get this uh, this episode out and, and share with our community. And, uh, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and, and you think someone else can benefit, definitely pass this episode along. So uh, with that, Eric, let me flip it back to you. 
I'm telling you what, this has been an unbelievable podcast. I, I don't get choked up doing this usually, but this is really, uh, this hit me, <laughs> honestly, Mike. Uh, what you're doing is beautiful. I think the statement that I loved the most from this entire recording uh, was when you said that, that Luke you know, basically says, this isn't Jack's game. This is, this is my game. You know, this is, this is something I can do. I think that that was something that stuck with me and, and really showed what you're doing there is that there's so many things that are out of their control that that's something that is in their control. And I love the fact that this fits so well with the theme, Jim, of the podcast that you've created, maximizing outcomes. I, I can't think of a better way to maximize outcomes for those kids, for those little ones, than to do something that supports them fully and supports their family as fully as this does. So again, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Jim, of course, thank you for facilitating this and bringing such an amazing guest on the show. And our last thank you, of course, goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast with Jim McGovern. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this will actually help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at McGovern Wealth Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Be sure to follow the show to be notified when new episodes become available. To suggest a topic or guest for a future episode, or learn more about how we can help to maximize outcomes in your life, visit our website at www.mcgovernwealth.com. This podcast is intended for general public use and is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or McGovern Wealth Group, and opinions stated are their own. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Jim McGovern is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. McGovern Wealth Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. CA Insurance License Number. 0F67329 AR Insurance License Number 7119103 California Insurance License Number 0F67329 Arkansas Insurance License Number 7119103 Number 2022-140729 Expires July 2024